welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads, along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, AJ Riley, I'm Matt Bass, and welcome to Sports Carnage. It's bitch fest time. The NFL draft has come and gone. Hopefully you joined us for our Facebook Live session last week during the draft for the first round. Uh, if you did, thank you. We had a blast with you. If you didn't, eh, you missed out. You could have told us some crap that you've been waiting to tell us. So, like I said, bitch fest time, because it's time, especially for Paul, more so than anyone else, to dive into why he is so mad at Bob Quinn and the Detroit Lions for not having the balls to call the bluff of the Miami Dolphins, along with the Los Angeles Chargers, and anybody else that was looking for their potential next superstar quarterback by drafting Tua Tungabaloa and forcing their hand in the we even had our exalted GM, Bob Quinn, come out and even address this, Paul. It's so pathetic. Although I'm more mad that you are just casually dropping B-bombs to open the cast when I'm trying to curb the, the swearing that I have uncontrollable. Um, I told you guys before how apathetic I was. And this is why I'm apathetic. Because it's a joke. It's a predictable joke. Everyone in the world knew what the Lions were going to do, which is why we didn't get a trade offer worth doing anything. And you guys know how I feel about Bob Quinn. And it's no secret that I'm very checked out, kind of, of what the Lions do compared to normal. I mean, I'm still much more tuned in than the average fan, but I'm not devoting all of my energy and my just my being to it. Like, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit you sure? here. Yeah, I'm very sure. Yeah, You've I, been quite I, angry with Mr. Quinn. Well, I mean, if he got hit by a bus, it would be a better place. But that doesn't—that's not anger. <laughs> that's just uh, acknowledging factual things. Um, he's just terrible at his job. <laughs> honestly, it's unbelievable. So everybody knows that we weren't going to draft a quarterback, and everyone knew that Miami and the Chargers were going to draft quarterbacks, and really wanted Tua, and that. His medicals were fine, and regardless of all the smoke screens and garbage, those two teams wanted a quarterback. And they made us, Matt's favorite word, they made us their bitch during the draft. Honestly, they sat there and they said, I dare you to make us trade you. And we didn't. We didn't do anything. We just sat there at three and wasted one of the most valuable number three picks I've seen in my lifetime on a cornerback who by the way I think is going to be pretty darn good but as we talked about during the draft session the NFL draft is all about value we could get four starters from this draft and it doesn't make it a great job by the GM because it's not just about identifying talent it's about maximizing the value of each of your picks because we could have gotten Okuda and we could have gotten extra picks in the process and we didn't and that's not the only mistake we made on draft night but it's the biggest one and I wasn't actually going to talk about that a lot today, but I'm super triggered. Snowflake me is triggered out of my mind because he addressed this. You said he it, went we didn't. on the radio. I'm trying to pull up the thing now. Oh, I want to. I want to get the exact comments. I want to give credit right where credit is due. I got it right due. here. So he went read on the it, radio. I'll, I'll read it. Local, you got it. Local radio in Detroit, 97 won the ticket. 
Uh, and he went on, and I believe Stoney, local radio legend Stoney, posed the question and basically said... You know, you know that's not they, what you sent us, right? What did I send you? You sent us a tweet from uh, Justin Rogers. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, the tweet from Justin Rogers. You got it or do you want me to read it? I can't find it. All right, I got it right here. It says, from Justin Rogers, on the possibility of drafting Tua and holding him hostage for other teams who wanted him, Bob Quinn said that that scenario is much easier said than done. You can't assume another team wants him even if signs pointed to it. Can we let those the sentiment sink in for a second? This man, dead ass, came on the radio in local Detroit and said, We can't assume that any other teams wanted to a tongue of Iloa. That's literally what he said. The yeah, GM of your football team came on air and defended his draft strategy by saying, You can't be sure if other teams wanted this transcendent quarterback that everybody's wanted for years. I cannot reconcile that with this man being employed. So I can. So many. I can. And I'll tell you what. Well, not not that I agree with reconciling it, but I can tell you what that is. I don't know where you stand on other local radio personalities, but I know you're probably not a fan of Valenti. I actually, I don't like any of them. I actually no. am a fan of Valenti. I have become a fan of Valenti probably over the last eight months. Just because even though I hate how negative he is, um, I tend to agree with him a lot more than I disagree with him. And all this is is GM speak. It is Bob Quinn to the fans saying, let me do my job. This is what happens and what it's like. None of you are ever there, so you don't really know. And yeah, that'll work in a fantasy world, but that's not real life. That's exactly what this is. It's GM speak. So what that is, that is exceptional BS is what that is. First of it all. It is, but that's what it – I guarantee you that's what that he is. He has not earned the right this far into his tenure to ever say anything along the lines of let me do my job. You don't know how this works. No, he's because the he smartest man in the room. Because he has spectacularly failed at his job, and he has proved that he is not – capable of doing his job over and over again and on top of that to sit there and if parsing between the lines for him to sit and insinuate what admittedly a local radio personality here is saying that he is insinuating to act like even the average fan could be that dumb to not understand the simplest of concepts not only is it pathetic how bad he messed up the draft, but to insult your fan base like that, to sit there and act like you're so much smarter than them that they can't put two and two together and know that immediately after you did your thing, the two teams picking quarterbacks pick quarterbacks, the first of which was Tua, and he's going to sit there and tell you, you know, it's not as simple as just taking Tua. Think Things don't work out like that. It's not a fantasy draft. That is... It's disgusting. It it's, honestly yeah, makes me violent. It's condescending. It's not It's not that it's condescending. And it believe is, me, though, I love sarcasm. I love condescension. And if you 
if you get asked a dumb question, if you are in a legitimate position, if you legitimately understand better, I respect that. You can condescend the hell out of anyone you want. Lord knows I do it all the time on this podcast. That's why Dylan left. You're mostly wrong when you do it, though, but... (laughs) You cannot strike that tone when you are so far in the wrong and it is so obvious to legitimately anybody that understands the concept of how the draft works. Let me ask you a question. Do do you, in your heart of hearts, firmly believe that Bob Quinn, two weeks, three weeks, night of the draft, actually received a phone call from Miami or Los Angeles? Oh, I guarantee he received a ton of phone calls. Now, whether there was a concrete offer on the table, I, I, I would never know. I have no idea. But that's not relevant. It's very simple. We talked about it before leading up to the draft. If you get the offer and it's good, take it. If not, you draft Tua. It's that cut and dry. I, everyone in the world knew Miami was taking Tua. So but, but you're not the reports gonna... that came out on draft night were that there were no offers. So if there's no offers, why are there even phone calls being placed? Bob Quinn said there was. Or maybe I, I'm at... I'm pretty sure Bob Quinn said there was. I don't want to completely misspeak, but there were plenty of reports that there were phone calls. But I was pretty sure that Bob Quinn himself said that they had discussions, a ton of discussions, and didn't have an actual offer on the table. <clears throat> but it doesn't – you don't have to have a phone call to know that Miami and the Chargers and a ton of other teams want quarterbacks. Do you? No. I mean, this is the NFL. Do you, do you need to call every team in the league – to know if they'd be interested in having a good starting caliber quarterback if they don't have one. No, you don't need to. Did, did uh, Put it this way. Did everyone on this podcast think Miami and the Chargers were drafting quarterbacks in the first round? Yes or no? 100%. Did any of us talk to the Chargers or Miami's GM? No. I'm curious. You can tell me if you did. I don't know. I, I, I don't follow you guys around during the week. I plead the fifth. So... You get what I'm getting at, right? He's got inside information. (laughs) But you you guys get what I'm getting at, right? Like, you don't have to sit here and have phone calls with GMs to know they're drafting a freaking quarterback. I I, I do. I I do. I also, like, though I say yes 100%, I think they take – they wanted quarterbacks. That's not to say that had we taken Tua, they, as you always say, let the draft fall to them. Right and and I'm sorry, you cut out completely. Yeah, same here. Oh, sorry. That's not to say if they took Tua. It's not to say that if we took Tua, that the they don't let the draft, like you say, fall to them and and make things change, like make a different play on things. So what are they going to do though? So think about it. So if you want to parse it out, so maybe which I don't believe at all, but maybe Miami says, you know what. They took Tua, they called our bluff, but we really like Justin Herbert a lot, so we'll take him at five. Maybe that happens. It's possible. It's not out of the realm of reality. What are the Chargers going to do? You think the Chargers are going to, they want to take Jordan Love when they need a quarterback right now? They're going to take Jordan Love at six? What about the other eight, ten teams in the NFL that really need a starting quarterback? And now everyone is in play. Yeah. I... And, and again, we talked about this before, your worst case scenario is you just drafted your potential quarterback of the future who can sit and learn behind a great quarterback. There's no downside here. Now, now I, I, I am a betting man. Not if I were a betting man. I am a betting man. And I would lay 10 to 1 odds, legitimately, to, I will give, would have given you 10 to 1 odds had we drafted Tua 
that we could have gotten a very good trade for him on draft night. But it's not to say it's impossible that things don't go that way. But there is no downside. You don't you're not sitting on Patrick Mahomes. Like it's not like you have Patrick Mahomes and if you get stuck with this quarterback, you're just stuck with this quarterback that you have no use for. You know what I mean? Like like we could use a quarterback of the future. That's why we're well, now you say that. It's a worst-case scenario. We talked about this leading up to the draft. It's not what I wanted, yeah. but if that's what you got stuck with, yes, I'm fine with it. I, don't, I mean, I don't. I clearly agree with you and don't agree with Bob Quinn. Like, you can say all you want that there was no guarantees about it, but there was a damn near a guarantee on it. You had two teams drafting after you that need a quarterback. Yeah. It is very obvious. The Chargers just got rid of their franchise quarterback. The Dolphins haven't had a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. So you are, it's, it's damn near obvious that you have two what teams you behind they, you they had that Chad need Pennington. a quarterback. Yeah, they had Chad Pennington. I think they had – did they have Henny also for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> they had Dante Culpepper. Dante Culpepper. That was instead of Drew Brees, dumbasses. So you've got two teams that need a quarterback and need a quarterback that's going to be there for the long future. And that's exactly what Tua is hopefully going to be. So how do you not make that decision and make it known that, yeah, we're going to take him. Whether you guys want him or not, we're going to take him. And if you want him, make it worth our while to, to, to give him to you. But don't just sit there and do nothing and then end up with the same player that you would have taken at five had you made that trade. Or, you know, God forbid he gets taken, then you're stuck with Isaiah Simmons. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, just do something besides just take a great player. I am happy with Akuda. I'm just not happy with Akuda where and, we got and, him. And I think that's kind of the disappointment in this whole thing. Like, I, I, I'm trying to put myself a little bit in Okuda's shoes. Like, you just had, like, a great day where you were drafted number three overall in the NFL. And there's a majority of your fan base that ties your greatest day with a terrible decision by your GM. That I actually disagree with. I think fans in general are very unintelligent, and I think Lions fans even more so. I, I honestly think the general fan is happy with this draft. And, and fans are, and the thing is, fans are optimistic around draft time. Like fans, fans always rationalize drafts for the better. Always, absolutely always. Fans rationalize the drafts for the better. Not even just fans, but local media, whoever. Look at we we talked about it a little bit in pre-show prep. Grade-wise, people think the Lions did a good job in this draft, yeah. and we talked about it all day during the first round of the draft, and we talked about it leading up to the draft. How it's not just who you got, but how you got them, what you gave up. It's all about value in the NFL draft. That's how you become a good team for years and years. That's what we don't do. Even if we got three, four starters from this draft, that doesn't make it a good draft. There's other things, and when you leave things on the table, that's problematic, and that's emblematic of our entire franchise, everything so, that we've done. So let's talk about the rest of the Lions draft then. Um, you know, second round, DeAndre Swift. Then they go with the edge rusher and Julian Aquara. They select two guards back-to-back a wide receiver, then another running back, and then two defensive linemen to end out the draft. 
Well, I want to hear from Ryan. Hang on, because... a, kick, a kick returner, not a running back. They drafted a kick returner. Right. Well, Hold on. Good. No, he <laughs> could. Or a slot receiver. That's one of, stop. That's one of my favorite picks, and he can run the ball too. Relax yourself. It's not stop. He can play slot. No. After Danny Amendola's all nah, those retires. I, I'm yes, just saying. No, the disrespect of Matt just calling him a kick returner. That's what I'm. How I'm is that disrespect? Because he's not just a kick returner. He's a. He could be a good football player. Yes, I do. So much. I'm ecstatic about that, but don't just call him a kick returner. You 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 snorted at the fact that he was called a running back. Don't do that. But Ryan, I think, is the happiest of all of us with this draft, and he hasn't talked much. So let's let him break down the rest of the draft from here. Yeah, I like the draft. I like DeAndre Swift. It's not the running back I would have chosen, but he's still a, a damn good player who was mocked in, in a lot of first rounds, even though towards the, the back end of the first round. But he can do uh, a hell of a lot on the football field. And I think the fact that um, we did draft the back-to-back guards and we signed uh, the right tackle in free agency, but our offensive line still doesn't look like it's going to be you know, anything to, to brag home about. So giving Stafford somebody that he's able to just dump the ball down to out of the backfield and then uh, you know maybe give carry on a break. So when he's made a glass, he'll be on the field more often than not, is obviously what you're going to hope for. I like Jonah Jackson. He can come in and he can compete for a starting job right away at the guard spot. And, again, it's not because he's this this amazing guard or else, you know, you wouldn't have gotten him so late. But if you can improve that area on the team right away, it's something that I do think they did. Uh, Stenberg's whatever. Um, I do think Huntley can come in and, again, compete for – uh, a starting return job, and if he gets it, my guess is that mean Agnew gets cut because um, the Lions are at they're at a, a whole bunch of like players right now. And then I like Okora too as somebody that can fit in on their defense and rush the passer as little as they do it. But he can kind of play like a hybrid linebacker. Um, you know, when you see the the position as edge, that'll be exactly what Okora is. And for me, there's a lot of upside with that pick. Being that he did break his leg in college, which is why he slid down some of the draft boards. Because going back even just a year ago, this is a guy who was always in the middle of the first round. There was one a couple months ago before he broke his leg where I had the the Lions taking him back when they were, I don't know, in like 15th in the draft position or something like that. Um, but they had the Lions taking Okwara. And at the time, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, it might be, you know, that, that's a good pick. And then, obviously, he broke his leg and fell down the draft boards. But you get him here, you already, uh, you know, you can already pair him with his brother. So, I, I, that definitely eases the transition. It doesn't do a whole lot for you on the football field. But it eases his transition into the locker room, into the city, whatever you want to say. Just the fact that he has his brother there to really show him the ropes and um, teach him teach him how the Lions do things, and then just keep him accountable. As an older brother, you'd hope that's something that uh, that big Okwara would do. And I just think there's a lot of value there, uh, a lot of value in even even Swift from uh, from where they got him. Again, not the running back that I would have went with, but he's my, my second favorite running back in the draft. Um, and then I like Jackson too. And then really, I mean, everybody after that is just kind of whatever, you know, you're just – uh, picking names out of a hat at that point. But if they were able to get their uh, starting kick returner in the fifth or sixth round or whatever, they ended up picking up Huntley. Um, I was definitely definitely okay with that. And then it looks like they got a tight end 
three in undrafted free agency too. You like the Jonah Jackson and, pick? Uh, I do. I think Jonah Jackson's a good player. I don't. I don't understand. Like a four three, uh, four seven three, forty from the wide receiver that we drafted. It, it defensively in the fifth round, but also not defensively. Like, no. So it, that's my. I, I can say yeah, that was my least favorite pick. I, I just said how much I like the draft, and uh, sorry, Paul, to cut you no, off. You're good. But that was my least favorite pick. Well, like, you didn't mention him, just, so I assumed there had to, to be, be other wide receivers available at that time that are not linemen. Plenty of high speed. upside picks. So, in again, in its, I, I can't. Bob Quinn could be here twenty years, and I don't think he'd ever have a draft I like. And it's not – yeah, I don't like Bob Quinn, but it, it's much, much more than that. And it's not to say – listen, anyone can luck in to a great draft. No matter how terrible you are at drafting, no matter how bad of an NFL GM you are, you could luck into a great draft. The problem is Bob Quinn and, in my opinion, they're all the wrong things, values completely different things than I do. And we talk so much about value in the NFL draft, and I will say it a thousand times this podcast, and anytime we talk about drafting, because that's all that matters. You know what I think about picking Okuda at three, and it's nothing to do with Okuda. We had no business picking at three. There was only one running back that I was okay with taking end of first, early second round, and that was Jonathan Taylor. That being said, because I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a stud, I think it's ridiculous that you're talking about a guy who can run you over, juke you out of your shoes, and straight up run past you. He has elite speed, elite athleticism, he has great body size, and he has the production. He has everything. And I'm in love with Jonathan Taylor, and you guys know that. He was the only back I was okay with taking early. It is – some people would call it bias. In my opinion, he's the only back that was worth it at that point because I think he's special. Taking just a back – in the early second round, third third pick of the second round, when you have so many other pressing needs as a team, I think is terrible. I don't like it. But if you were going to pick a back, and I had a lot of people, not just myself, I don't want to take all the credit for it, a lot of people had a very good feeling that Bob Quinn was indeed going to draft a running back because he did it a couple years ago. He traded up in the second round, I believe, to get on Johnson, yeah. right? Yeah. He did trade up in the second round. That is correct, correct? Yes, he did trade up. I don't want to get my facts jumbled up on the podcast. No, because you were so mad because we were, like, lined up perfectly to get that guard out of, like, UTEP. Oh, I'm I'm always mad. Will Hernandez, I think. (laughs) I'm always mad. Well, I'm always mad at Bob Quinn, but regardless, not always. He's done a couple things that I like, but whatever. My brother texted me that after the after the show last week. He's like, the guy with the long hair, he sure is angry. I am, man. I it's, It just makes me bitter. Bitter is a better word. I'm very bitter. Anyway, so that didn't work out. And you know that Bob Quinn is immediately going to go back to the well as soon as on Johnson didn't work out and make the same mistake again. The only saving grace of this pick is if you were going to pick a running back, you can argue that there is value here. DeAndre Swift on, I think, most boards, not Ryan's, but I think most boards, not mine either, but he was the number one back uh, in plenty of people's opinion, and he had a first-round grade. So, 
From that standpoint, it's not the worst pick in the world. I just don't see it. I don't think he's worth the third pick in the second round, especially given the needs of the team and the absurd amount of really good players available. Like, so many players. Legitimately, not not hyperbole, could easily rip off 10 players that I would have rather had at that spot than DeAndre Swift. Not a knock on Swift, but reality. Hang on. So how much of the appeal was the fact that when you look at guys like uh, like Dobbins and like Taylor, who have been the workhorse for year in and year out and have so many carries versus someone like Swift – Someone like Swift, who has only had, I think, three games in his career in college with 20 carries or more and still averaged over six yards per carry. How much of that is a factor when you're looking at a running back whose careers are already some of the shortest in professional sports? They average about three years. And now you got a guy that doesn't have all that tread off his tires already by the time he becomes a To me, it's a complete non-factor and the most annoying thing that I hear regarding running backs. Running backs have... Running backs have a short shelf life, and by 30, they're pretty much done. And that's if they're a good running back. Like, a good running back is pretty much done by 30. Um, like you said, they have a short shelf. They usually just don't last that long. And NFL doesn't really value them that much anymore. They're pretty interchangeable. That being said, I have yet to see, outside of just devastating injuries... A running back breaking down early because he had a lot of carries in college. Everyone talks about this, tread on the tires and touches and hits and whatever. What I see is a seasoned back that has a ton of experience and has shown that he's capable of being a workhorse. That's what I see. That's what all the carries at Wisconsin behind those great offensive lines show me. I'm not worried that this 22-year-old kid is all of a sudden his knees are going to give out because he touched the ball for the 500th time in three years. I mean, literally, running backs used to touch the ball 400 times in a season. They didn't die. They didn't. It was a different NFL, but they didn't die. They lived, and they kept running the ball every single year. Like, I, I don't it, – it's just it, – it's like so many other things that people get this idea in their head, and it makes sense. But in, in reality, I don't see it play out. Like, outside of terrible injuries, where have you seen a running back get used to death? I mean, that's what I mean. But how are the injuries not part of being used? Marshawn Lattimore was complete, is the perfect example. He was completely destroyed before he got to the NFL. Why? He had devastating knee injuries. He only touched the ball a few hundred times in college. Marshawn right? Lattimore, isn't that a cornerback? That is a cornerback. I'm sorry. You're talking about Marcus Lattimore, Marcus Lattimore, Marcus Lattimore, Lattimore from South yeah. Carolina. Injuries can happen at any time. Your I remember knee. that leg injury in college. I was watching that game that that happened, and I was like, "That I, I saw that live. That was your disturbing. knee does not just give out because you had a hundred extra carries in college. It's not how it works. And the thing is, and one of the things, and, and I get it, it out of sight, out of mind, and fans don't see the daily grind. They only see what happens on game day." So they don't think about practice. And one of the things that one of my pet peeves is when people talk about coaches not giving players enough early experience to get better. And those people either have never played sports or forgot what playing sports is like. Because young players don't get better on game day. They get better the hundreds of reps they take in practice, right? Agreed. The key word there is practice. These running backs... 
have carries in practice. A ton of them. I'm waiting it for makes the Allen no Iverson difference drop, by the way. to me if they touch the ball 10 times on Saturday or 30 times on Saturday because they touch the ball 60 times every single day during the week. I agree, but and I disagree. They pound, and they pound their bodies in the weight room. I agree, and but I disagree. And they pound their bodies in drills. Uh, I... No, that you can't, you cannot stop. Slow down. I know you're making a point, but like you cannot simulate game experience. I didn't. That's not what I said. But but that's that, not but what that I said. Like at game all. But that is what we're taught. I didn't say that's what but you said. But what is the wear and tear of a running back if he touches it 15 days, 15 times, or 30 times on game day? You just yeah, but you just took like people talking about experience and then like imposed it on this idea of tread on the tires like well that's that's what it is though so that's but uh, that's it what is what it isn't about. like you just you what you did is you just used someone else's argument to kind of prove your point and no, and, I, and i think that that's faulty i agree with you that you know what's overlooked are the 60 to 100 reps during the week but but when people talk about getting experience for young kids they're not talking about that they're talking about that game experience that can't be simulated. That's where my disagreement comes in. So that's that is a conversation we will have on another day because you're wrong. Well, oh, but that's I, not I, nothing to do with the draft. Have you been there? We, have you been there? We will have because we will have wrong. this conversation. There is, I honestly think I honestly think it is a different and difference in thought process. And when we discuss it, we will agree. Not that you'll change your mind. I think it. I think you agree now. You just are looking at it from a different, but that's for that's a different time. We're not gonna do that in the draft. Right. I'm just saying, don't use that argument to prove your tread on the tires theory because I think I think it's faulty. I want someone to show me where tread on the tires comes from. I, and that's fair. Like I I like I'm trying to run through in my mind some running backs who were kind of like workhorses in college that never really. Maybe Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley could be a an example, but he had the injury concern. I mean, the guys had a but un, unbelievable knee injuries out of nowhere. Yeah, but he after had being an, the he had a knee injury in college. He so did. That, he has had injury problems. So that's part and of it. If I you mean, get hurt in college, that's just it's bad luck. Yeah, he is. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's like jo- it's like saying Javid Best got ran into the ground. Yeah, no, but, he didn't. Or, he had a like, head that was really prone to concussions. Like name, names that Ronnie come Bald to did. mind. He had almost a thousand touches in. Uh, Names that come to mind for me that I, I like think of as like a workhorse, maybe not were maybe not necessarily NFL caliber running backs. Like um, like Mike Hart would have been a workhorse, but he was never for sure a, 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 an NFL caliber running back. You could make look at argument. look at guys like Zeke Elliott. But, Zeke Elliott. I, but I would but I would I would say like Trent Richardson, Michigan State kept Zeke Elliott fresh. Like maybe Zeke, Zeke maybe Elliott Trent touched Richardson, the ball a million times in college, dude. Eddie Lacy and I know Eddie Lacy had like weight concerns, but like maybe those. Oh, he had guys. weight concerns. All right, he had I, absolute weight concerns. That's the thing. So think of how hard it is for you to come up with, it, it, because it doesn't. It's just fantasy. It's not reality. There's no correlation to college touches to NFL longevity. None. Like if you put a scatter plot out there, I'm sure everyone understands what that is, and you put college touches. NFL longevity, and not out of the NFL because you suck and you're a crappy running back, but out of the NFL because your body breaks down, there's no correlation at all. I mean, look at – it's not – it's frustrating to hear those kind of things because teams legitimately, or at least 
the narrative is that teams make decisions in part because of things like that, and that blows my mind. I, I think it's just it's faulty logic. It's a lack of logic, and it's faulty reasoning. But e- even going down the rest of the draft, so there's kind of value with Swift. I didn't like it. Same thing with Okuda. Julian Okwara went right where people expected Julian Okwara to go. I like him on the grounds that I like picking up players that drop because of injury as long as it's not a devastating injury that is likely to sap them of everything. Like if if a player blows out their Achilles, I'm going to be in in their, especially in a sport that relies on explosiveness, I'm going to be wary of drafting him high. But a broken bone heals. So if you get a guy that at one point was considered a possible first-round talent, and he broke his leg, missed a big chunk of the season, and you get him in the third round, that's not bad, right? Now, he's not insane. He's a 250-pound big dude. He's an edge rusher. He's can kind of stand up a little bit. He runs a 4'7", decent for linebacker in the NFL, but he's not going to be standing up all the time. He's going to be blitzing a lot coming off the edge, depending on what kind of fronts we're running, especially well, in the 3-4. Well, probably three, not four, a lot. But... Especially in the 3-4. So that's not a terrible pick. The problem I have with every pick across the board outside of Okuda, and I mean every single one, that's not hyperbole, every single pick we made that was not Okuda, and Okuda too, but there were better players on the board, across the board, available. Not just better players, but better players for the positions that we were trying to address. Like Jonah Jackson. I mean, he's not not that good, man. He's okay. He's There's nothing terrible about him, but there were like five linemen at that point in time I would have rather had over him. It, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. So we talked about the fourth round is one of those value proposition rounds. Fourth round pick could be a throwaway pick, and it could be an all-pro. And that's one of those where your fourth round pick, if you hit on those, that gives you a huge advantage over other teams. Because that, that is a pick where you can still grab a start. But most teams don't. And yet you take a guy with a ton of limitations. So this guy, 30 years ago, would have been a solid pick in the NFL. He is a mauler in the run game. He's a big dude. He like he's huge. He's six six, and I think he's like three hundred and thirty pounds. He's a huge dude, and he's a mauler in the run game. The problem is in today's run game, it's a lot about trickery. We're not running halfback dives and fullback dives all the time, right? We're moving guys around. We're pulling guards. We're trying to get to the side. Wait, we or the rest of the NFL? Anyone. I'm just saying, the the, the Lions <laughs> seem to pull a lot of the halfback dives yeah, still. Like a competent times. offense. Trying to power run. But we a are not that. So we are drafting for the offense we have. Not well, we should be drafting to become have. a competent offense. Oh, now you're asking a different situation, right. though. You're asking you're moving the Lions your linemen to not be around. the Lions. That's, that's why we got Swift and got our offensive line. You're pulling your guards. You're, you want them to get to the second level and blow up a guy. They also... Don't forget, it's 2020, and for the last 15 years, people pass the ball on the NFL. So not only do your guards have to be athletic enough to handle that, but oh, by the way, they need to be able to pass protect, and they need to be able to handle the monster noses of the world, 
and they also need to be able to handle the ridiculous rushers of the world, which he can't do. If you watch him against superior athletes, he struggles. And I, I've seen I seen the stat. I think Don posted it. He was credited with like two pressures his last year. Watch the tape. So you're telling me you went back and watched every game that Kentucky played this last year? No, but I've seen a ton of – no, that's not true. I have not watched every game. I've seen three Kentucky games this year, three. I've watched probably 15 the last three years. Kentucky's been a very interesting team for a handful of years now. After being a doorstep for a long time, they had a running back I really liked. Dylan was super high on them, I think last year, but it might have been the year before. I have watched a lot of Kentucky, and he has started and played at Kentucky for a long time. Because he was a great, great college guard. Very good. The problem is, for me, is projecting to the NFL the traits that you need. In the fourth round, I'm not looking for a surefire depth piece. I'm not. I don't care if I get a guy that can come in and play 15 snaps and not ruin the game for me. I am looking for fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I'm looking for upside, right? I'm looking for a guy that maybe he gets cut in a year, but maybe he's a surprise pro bowler. I need upside from these picks. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how can anyone sit here and rationalize being okay with this draft? Because I think there's more upside guys than you gave credit for. Like to me, Oquara and Swift, Oquara and Swift are both upside guys. What is Swift's upside? He's never going to be a game breaker. You don't know that, though. I do know that because he runs a 4-5. Yeah, but look, I, I think you rely way too much on, on the numbers. It's not – so there are – like numbers don't make a football player, and a football player can't beat the numbers. He can be a great running back, but he can't ever be a game-breaking back because he will get caught in the NFL. Define, and it's not to say he can't be – he can be a Pro Bowl back. Define game-breaking. I mean a, a back somebody that's a threat take, to take it to the who, house every touch. That no, that's no, no, no. The, the, name name five running backs in the M, in the NFL that are game breaking backs. There's a ton of running backs. No, name five in the NFL that are right game breaking backs. You you could argue I based would argue. on based on the definition that you just gave that can take it to the house on any given touch. Name five game breaking backs. Healthy carry on Johnson was a better threat. To be a game-breaking back. That's not what I asked. Name five right now. Let's let's go through. I'll do better for you. No, name five. I just if you knew I, five, I'll shut up. I'm gonna name more than five. Just name just name five, and we can stop there. Because I'm gonna name five that are not starters. They can take it to the house on any given snap. I I, I want to pull something up real quick because I'm gonna do. I'm gonna name five that are not starters in the NFL. You see how faulty that type of definition is to put on somebody. I, I don't think it's faulty at all. No, I think if you're using a premium pick on a running back, that's not he, game he needs to be though. a game breaker. I, Arizona I, Arizona had two last year. Two running backs, Kenyon Drake and David Johnson. Game can, breaking backs. They cannot get caught that won't get caught in the NFL. And you can't even really put that on David well, Johnson. Anymore I mean, David Johnson is going to get caught. Right, he's going to get caught before the line of scrimmage. So Devin Singletary, game breaking back. Christian McCaffrey, game breaking back. McCaffrey, I would agree with. Hell, you could say Tariq Cohen's a game breaking back, and I hate him. 
Oh. Dylan's favorite player in the world. No, no you can't he... call him a game-breaking back when he didn't even get like 800 yeah. yards. Kareem Hunt before he decided to go all okay, I would, I would, abusive. I would agree game with Kareem back. Hunt. That's two. You're not even halfway there. Zeke Elliott. I've named, okay, that's I've three. named five. I've already named five. No, no. And we disagree yeah, like, with a few of them. <laughs> that's David like, Johnson wasn't a game-breaking back. But, but that's no, – that's, You're right. Uh, that's Kenyon, Kenyon Drake, not a game-breaking back. They can take Devin it to the Sing- house on Devin every Devin Singletary, snap. arguably the most – one of the, arguably, literally, per touch, the most efficient back in the NFL. Literally going to go for 20 yards every other touch, not a game-breaking back. Did he go for 20 yards every other touch? Felt like it? No. It felt not. like it, but, it, but see, again, they can't beat the numbers, Paul. And Wait, was this the no, running back the, for the Bills? Bills. Who was this running He's back? But, fantastic. But, Paul, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, when, oh. when you place – No one on the Bills is game-breaking. that type of yeah. label – Okay, and Devin Singletary ran a 4 6, six. Yeah. So, when, so you don't have to have a fast 40 to be a game-breaking There you go. Back. So when you, when you place that type of label, this all-or-nothing end zone house on every touch for a game-breaking back – you have set such lofty expectations that you're never going to meet them. For me, somebody like Swift who doesn't put the ball on the ground. So that's a, why you don't take a guy point? like that. Because you talk so for like 15 minutes straight. But you're missing straight. the point. That's but, the problem. But so you I'm are, not missing the point. You're arguing you, a straw man right now. You Paul, let, let him finish. finish. Like you don't even know what my point was because I didn't even make it. So slow but down you're addressing for a, a point that I didn't make. But I am because you're talking about a game-breaking back. Right? But so, why? But what do you mean, but why? Why? Why am I? Why do? Will you just let him finish his thought first? All I'm saying is when you when you say that thought. somebody is like to say that Swift is not a game breaking back because he can't take it to the house every touch, which Ryan just pointed out, he's faster than Singletary, who you named as a game breaking back. So there you go. Like that kind of goes out the window. For a game breaking back is somebody who can help you break the game, right? So in in that sense, yes, you are correct that somebody taking it to the house on every touch, which never happens and is never going to happen, is the threat there? Possibly, but it's not realistic. That is part of what a game-breaking back is. But somebody like Swift can also be the other part of that, that is someone like the Lions need that can take the game out of the hands of Matthew Stafford to make him more efficient and more effective. That well, we also can be game breaking for that. But 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 again, we're not ta- we're talking about the running back himself and the running back in So the, uh, the problem is and I and I want to be extremely clear. This is not a knock on Swift. Other than the fact that he's not Jonathan Taylor, there's nothing wrong with Swift. Like I said, he was the number one back on a lot of boards. The problem is for our needs to take him there, he has to be a complete he has to be Saquon Barkley he has to be Christian McCaffrey to justify us taking him there right so he's a back that can catch the ball out of the backfield that is excellent in pass protection and is very reliable in the run game what else do you want from a running back in the second round because McCaffrey's very reliable out of the backfield I don't want a running back in the, in the pass- second round but but I'm saying like if you want to compare him to McCaffrey is he Christian McCaffrey no because Christian McCaffrey right now probably is arguably the best back in the league but Swift protects him pass protection. He catches the ball out of the backfield, and he's very, very reliable in the run game. So of those three aspects, what more do you want out of just any running back? You want him it's, to cook you dinner and bring it to you in bed or what? It's about where he was picked in what we needed. <laughs> but, that, that's my entire thing. 
If you are going to make that premium pick, he has to have the ceiling of being Christian McCaffrey. He had a faster 40 than McCaffrey, too, by 0.1 seconds. <laughs> like you do, but see, that, that's where, again, you get into all these theoretical ceilings and floors. and all, Like, you and I have had this discussion that's before. That's what the draft is about. Uh, Paul, I, 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 again, I'm not going to rehash this discussion with you because I, I, I agree with you. Like, I agree with you about the draft. It's about ceilings. It's about, again, but to take those ceilings and floors, something that is completely theoretical and, in reality, is very hypothetical as well— as gospel truth is is casting a light on a player that makes you judge them before you've even seen how they're going I, to perform. Have in, I said that DeAndre Swift was not going to be a very good player? Somebody want to help you me out here? To say it. I mean, I, just by the way you've been talking, it's like <laughs> I literally said verbatim he could be a Pro Bowl back. The Pro Bowl means nothing to me. Well, it's that's not the point. I, I understand that, but like to say that he's a Pro Bowl back, like. I didn't Great. say. I said he could be. Could yeah. But it's, he he could be. Sorry. You get the point. Like he is. He could be that caliber player. So why is it not like I understand not using a second round? And I agree because with you. Because we took like, him with the thirty-fifth pick. Paul, I. I it's because we didn't take Jonathan but, Taylor. That's not true. There this, were this so is, many people that I wanted. This, but see, this is where like the argument so keeps shifting a little bit, right? Like I've kind of narrowed down on this elite back thing that you keep talking about. When I understand the Ooh. argument was about where we took him, like it's, set it's, that aside it's for together. a second. It's those two things together. That that's what I'm trying to get at. It's if you take the back there, he has to have that insane ceiling. He has a high ceiling, but it's not top three back in the NFL ceiling. No, because for if it was, he wouldn't have been there. We have at as a team, you, so we're trying to get as good as possible as a team. There are we're five offensive linemen away. From Swift even being able to hit a ceiling, maybe four. So four offensive Rag, uh, uh, is it Ragnow? He's not right. Rag, he's okay. okay. We got one. So four. That's it. We need four. With without those four, he can't. He, what's he gonna do? I. Which in that argument, no matter what back you take, that argument's the same. I, it, I Don agree. said it. That's why Don didn't want to take a back at all. That's why I said if you are going to take a back, Psh. it has to be. The one that has the insane ceiling. I to just me. think I just think that I think that you're sleeping on Swift a little bit. And I, again, I again, think Swift like, is good. I, I don't me, like taking him. At let me let me reiterate. Like if I was drafting, I probably would not have drafted Swift at 35. Though I do agree with the people that say you know like oh, that's really strong value at 35, given where he was projected to go and where he I fell mean, to. It, it just it depends on the team too. If 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 Tampa Bay had traded up into the back end of the first round and took Swift, I would have thought that was a good pick for them. It's a completely different situation. Does that make sense? It does. But I I, I still think this is kind of that discussion that we had last week on the live. Like, And I understand it being the second round of the 35th pick, but if this is a guy that you've kind of had your sights on and it's somebody that you – I mean – Look, the running back situation for the Lions is not great. Like, carry-on is good, but I don't think he's what people expected because he can't stay healthy. So, so, so but you, so do you continue to... He fumbles at the one-yard line, and then the Chiefs take it all the way right, back. Right, so then, so then do you, do you continue with this very, I mean... Matthew Stafford, given his career and and where he's been with his back injuries and stuff like that, he his window I think is a lot smaller than I, people imagine. 
Well, it just depends on how healthy he is. He could have it, eight more years. I, he could have two more years. Like I, he could I, act, I, he could be oh, done this no. year. Like I that. agree, but if you don't get him help, aka a reliable running back that you can hand the ball off to, hmm. regardless of line, I understand that you need a line to run the ball. I'm with you, but you also have to have a threat of running the ball. And if you don't have a healthy carry on Johnson, there's nobody on that depth chart that. Is is a reliable enough threat to take any pressure off of Stafford? Now you have somebody in DeAndre Swift who you can trust with the football because he doesn't put it on the floor. He can pass protect better than Carryon Johnson, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield, which also now takes carries away from Carryon Johnson and keeps him healthier. So now you have that kind of one-two punch that I think helps lengthen the window for Stafford a little bit. I- I don't mean to poo-poo what you're trying to say because it makes a lot of sense, but I think we're about 20 players and an entire coaching staff away from taking the pressure off Stafford. Like, I just don't think it matters. Look, I I understand that, but, like, like let's hone – like, yeah, you can make this argument continuously that there's so many other needs. I get that. And but we're not what, going to. No, because so – because we've talked about the Lions enough. They drafted but, Swift, and I think that, like, given where they were at – yeah, they could have gone other ways, Damn. but it still is not a terrible pick. Let, let's wrap up he, the line. He, he looks pretty game-breaking in this highlight film I'm watching. College, congratulations. Let's wrap up real quick. That's how you I mean, judge Everybody and Jonathan Taylor take his 900 carries. Everybody loves draft grades. Let's finish. We'll all sign a draft grade to the Lions. How did? Or we'll just oh, grade Bob so Quinn. Well, we're going to do it. It is stupid, especially right now at this point. No, it's not stupid. Actually, it's not true. Because I think the... For the most part, again, it's all about value, which you know immediately after the conclusion of the draft. You know if teams got value. Ryan, go. Now, you don't know how those players are going to turn out, but you know if they got value. I mean, even yes and no, because, like, you're assigning value off of, uh, you know, mainly, like, mock drafts and what draft experts say. But then you get into the – you especially get into the later rounds. For the first three rounds, I think most of the players you expect to go, go – and most of the players that they said, hey, these guys are going to be the first 100 picks, I don't know, maybe 90 of them get picked, right? Uh, but when you get especially into like 4, 5, 6, and 7, then I don't think anybody really knows. Which your GMs don't even know, which is why it's a crapshoot, but that's where it's about getting high upside players. So, Ryan. Us- but that's why when you talk about value in like 4, 5, 6, and 7, um, there it rings a little more hollow to me than it does in 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. I don't know. B plus. I like the draft. I like Swift a lot. Like I said, I like Jackson. Um, I already went through it. Huntley, uh, I even like Okuda as a player. It sucks that they didn't trade. And Quinn had another quote that I'm surprised you guys didn't um, talk about where he said another reason he didn't want to move back to five was because he didn't want to get jumped, uh, and somebody take Okuda at four. Oh my God. Why are you trying to make me angry? That's what he said. And you guys didn't mention it. I didn't know. I mean, B plus, I like the draft overall. And I thought it was Bob Quinn's best draft since he's been here. Matt. I would have liked – I don't have the names in front of me. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I'm. you know, you know, you know where I stand with yep. the third pick, and I think it made all the sense in the world to call the yep. bluff and, you know, take that shot and going back to the fifth pick and still getting Okuda and getting pieces along with him. Uh, but some of these pieces towards the end of the draft, um, I would have liked to have seen them take some chances on some, you know, some could be superstars, possibly have no idea what they could be in the draft. Obviously, when you're picking in the sixth and seventh round, um, there are few and far between that have turned that have really panned out. Uh, but 
I mean, overall, I think it was a decent draft. We did we did address some absolute holes in this team. Uh, offensive line, notwithstanding. Uh, defensive ends, you know, some pieces that, you know, the edge rushers and all that that we definitely needed on this team. Uh, I agree on the, you know, on the Quintez Cephas uh, pick that it was not who I would have picked in any way, shape, or form. I would like to see a wide receiver that has some, you know, breakaway speed, some separation uh, capabilities. Uh, it's great that he's got strong hands, but, you know, it'd be nice to have some receivers that can really, you know, just get flat out open. And we don't have anyone like that on this team, and we haven't for a while. Uh, but I also am realistic on where this team is and where this team is going or not going for that matter. And we're not going anywhere right now. This team is not a winning team, and I don't think it's going to be for a while. Uh, so I would like to see pieces that can be used for a winning team in the future because I just don't see it happening in the next you know few years for sure. Paul, so go what ahead was your grade? Your, yeah, what's your grade? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give it around a B, B B minus. Paul, go ahead and give your F. Not an F. <laughs> I'm not like a complete dickhead. No, I being well, reasonable and going value based as always. I mean, I'd love to give him an F for just what he did in the first round. That's that's really, I mean, that's fireable. But an F kind of implies like even worse than that. Um, no, he got I, it's a D plus for me based on the talent they got in the first three rounds. I I like the fact they addressed the offensive line with the guards, even though you know based on some analysis could have been better players taken. I don't like that they took guards back to back, and so. In that sense, I would go B minus. Uh, would have been a B plus, maybe even creeping into the A level had they taken Tyler Johnson instead of Cephas. So, so I want to be clear for what you guys are saying. I'm just based on talent, not necessarily value, because we've, so we've exhausted think, the value. You thing. think all of you think that <laughs> for an NFL GM, Bob Quinn in this draft did a well above average job. That's well, what that's you guys not, are saying. That's not well average. It's that's, above that, average. Well, B minus is a well B, above average. No, C, literally, C is average. C. So B would be above average. Well above average above would average. be an A minus, and then exceptional yeah, would be I thought a. he did above average job. I thought he did above average. I thought they had one of the probably 10 best drafts. I don't have them all in but front of B me. B minus is not well above average. They had the third overall pick. They should have at worst had the third best draft. At the worst, having the third best draft, you would have done an average job. You had the third freaking pick, dude. How does the third round. overall draft make it average if there's 32 teams? It, if you had the third pick in every round, yeah, I understand if you were getting, that. If you were getting proper value, you would have had the third best draft. Right. So then, but how does that make it an average draft? An average GM getting average value. Would have had the third best draft drafting with a third slot which if everyone had the them... same amount of picks. Which obviously there's trades and stuff and things move, <laughs> but your you finishing average is not you does having a, the third pick in every round and finishing with a top ten class. Does anybody not, understand what I'm trying draft. to say here? Like, do you understand the argument I'm trying to make? Like, if you're a top three draft out of 32 teams, that's better than average. Even no, if... because not everyone is on a level playing field. Like, like saying the Bengals having a top 10 draft, they're the number one pick, dude. Not everyone is on it. We had drastically more draft capital than most teams. 
So if everyone had the same picks of the same slots, then yeah, it's different. So if, it was a, that... if, it, if it was a snake oh, draft yeah. where we picked the, th the team that picks 32nd in the first round, then picks first in the second, and it's closer, that, that's different. But it's not. We had way more draft capital than most teams. So, so having the, t uh, the 10th best class doesn't mean you did an above average job. You should have had a way better. It class does because that. it meant he he he's so bad, but he's not bad enough to historically mess it up. But he did worse than his draft slot. Because just like you said, not every team has an equal playing field. Not like my obviously Miami has three first round picks. Right. That's better than a team having the eighth overall pick. Well, say Miami didn't have five overall. That's a a bad example. But like the Giants have four. If Miami has three first round picks. Okay, so you get it. So what are you missing? <laughs> What do you mean? So, no, according to you, the Giants should have the fourth best draft because they had no, pick number four. Even though there are teams that have multiple picks in the first, second, third round. Which obviously changes it, but is it general rule? Okay, so then it's just not a flat rate like you just said. How many teams had more draft capital than the Lions? Without looking, I have no idea. Well, I mean, you could argue Miami had more draft capital because it was the three first-round picks. I would say four or five. I know. Teams. I know. Oakland had a couple first round Oakland picks. Oakland had a couple first round I th picks. I think Jacksonville had two. Cincinnati sitting number one in every round, like. And that's just first round. I don't know well, how many second round a, picks so, these teams so had. So the Vikings had two first round picks, but their two first round picks didn't equal in value to the Lions' number third, number three pick alone. Not to mention we picked number three in every round. I mean, we had we were sitting in an insane position. At three, in a year where the third pick was insanely valuable, and picking third every single round, finishing with a top five class is not enough to say you did an above average job, which we didn't finish with a top five class. But even if you did, that's not, oh wow, we killed the draft. I don't think anybody here agrees that we killed the draft. I mean, I mean what, what, what does he want him to do? You want him to have the best draft every year? NFL.com gave us an A minus. Oh, for, so, hey. Find how many on NFL.com have less than a C. Because I guarantee it's not half the league. It's probably like five teams. Tops. Pack, Packers got it's a C+. Plus. A C. That's not less. It is. Oh, no, it's not. You're right. Great, grades are <laughs> whack on these sites. Grades are insane. Nobody I mean, grades does, are whack everywhere. Nobody does bad. Yeah, they really, they really, like, they, they really just say everyone that's, killed That's my the point. So, and that's what I'm trying to get you. I want to be different. I don't want to grade. So... You you giving? I mean, a, you're the one that asked for grades. Hold on. I want grades from you guys. How the hell they give an but Eagles I want an A minus? Realistic critical thinking. I don't want grades like we're writing for ESPN and doing I, a fluff piece. I, I want. I, I, I real did. I grades. said based on the talent that they got and the fact that they said the Eagles had a better draft than the Niners. With, Are these guys <laughs> watching the same draft? With they, they really they must be big Jalen Hurts fan. I think I think well, like I said. We spent way I too much time on the Lions. It. We spent literally I, an hour too long on the Lions. I told you this yeah, was going to happen. Did uh, I just hear my name? You did. It's like that Eric Andre shooting gif. I just... Yeah. I just <laughs> shooting meme. How'd this happen? You, you're not wrong, but still. But Paul gives us 30 Lions stories. Based on the talent. He shoots that, our podcast. Oh, we spent too much time on the Lions. Yeah. I tried to get out of the Lions 15 minutes ago. I just wanted a quick grade, and it became something that was not... Because of you. Yeah, because of you. <laughs> like, you ask for our grades and then you criticize what we say. Like our president, I take no responsibility. Well. I'll have to look that up. I don't know for sure. I need to look it up. I need to look it back. Uh, I, I, 
With no research being done either, except for a couple 40 times. Yeah. Yep. Facts yeah, don't matter. Boiling it down to such simplicity. Stop. Alright, moving on. Can we please move on from the yeah, Lions? You brought that please up, God. too. Can we move on from football? So, I want to talk about fun stuff because I'm so depressed. Like, I hate... I, And Ryan's going to yell at me. I do really do hate talking about the Lions. But it's also... We just spent it's like a sick hour and a half talking about the Lions. It literally, the most obscure. It's, it's like a sick cathartic drafted. release at the same time. Oh, I need people to understand like twenty minutes how terrible this franchise is. But I don't. It's also a very depressing conversation. In the effort of talking about things that are good, a lot of teams drafted a lot better than the Lions, and I would like to talk about them. What teams did you guys really like? How they drafted. What teams do you think crushed it? Ravens, baby. Getting Lamar in that Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean. They got Patrick Queen. They got Dobbins. And, um, yeah, take your pick. They get du- Duvernay, too, Dude, the, from The Ravens uh, from Texas. draft was so good. The Ravens, the Saints, the Buccaneers. No, I mean, The Ravens draft was so stupid good. So, Patrick Queen. They got Matabuke, too. Patrick Even Quinn. the Vikings, man. The Vikings had a great, a good draft. I want to talk about the Ravens for a sec. This is Ryan's team, and he, he didn't give them the credit they deserve. In the first round, you get value the first at a position in need. You get both. A very good, high upside player at a position in need, lower than he was projected to go. You get Ryan's favorite back in the draft, late second round. Then, you get a Borderline, in my opinion, first round pick. This, I, this. Carolina took Derek Brown at seven, and you guys know how I felt about that. Matabuke legitimately could end up a better pro than him, and went an entire two rounds later. Two rounds. The seventh pick of the third round. That is value. That is insane. And they did this the whole draft. You get a four-year starter on offense, an offensive guard late fourth round, almost the fifth round. Like, they just got value the entire draft. Right. You top it off with uh, Malik Harrison, who they got, who I really like, linebacker from Ohio State. And then even in the sixth round, they got uh, the dude who led the FBS in catches last year. James Prochet. Would you say that's a high upside pick? It was uh, higher than Cephas. <laughs> and 40 picks later, too. Like, come on, man. What do we think about Carolina's draft and the fact that it was nothing but defense? Well, you know oh, I, I did see that from the, from, from, um, from it, the run-on. But, I mean, I, I think it's cool that Matt Rule is trying to build something, and it's obvious he wants the, the defense to be the forefront of that. So, outside of the, I just hate the value of the Derrick Brown pick, especially in today's NFL. Um, he should at least. He has a high floor, so that's something. But, I, there's all defense, all whatever. I mean, I hope that their board was not devoid of offensive players. Like, I hope their entire draft board wasn't just defense. Yeah, but... that's I, a problem. But, I have no problem with drafting all defense yeah. in a draft. Especially like, in their situation. Issue. If they were the best players available yeah. every single time up, especially a team like Carolina that is devoid of talent and completely rebuilding, 
you legitimately just need to take the best player on your board every single time. And I have a hard time believing that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times that was a defensive player. That's yeah. my only concern. Yeah, I, but but if you look back at Carolina last year, like obviously they're losing Cam. They lost Greg Olson too, right? I think he signed with the Seahawks. Um, is that right? Did he sign with the Seahawks? He he's not on the Panthers anymore. I do think it's the okay. Seahawks, but but like they lost their him. offense, given that they have arguably the best back, right? They have Curtis Samuel. Yes, they are lacking a quarterback. Their I was offense say, was slinging the quarterback. Right, they're they're but they they signed Bridgewater, right? They did. Yeah. Okay. So again, a game manager, not going to set the world on fire, but somebody who can get the ball to McCaffrey, can get the ball to Curtis Samuel. Um, I can't believe they didn't sign like Jameis Winston, dude. Their their offense was not like it wasn't terrible. So I get I get wanting to address defense, but I do agree with you. Like, was a defensive player the best available on your board for seven picks? Like, that's that's my only problem. Yeah, with it. that's my I, only yeah, problem with I agree it. And with I that. find, but so one thing I will give them though is, in my opinion, first four rounds they didn't reach for anybody. It will so Derek Brown. Brown, I hated the pick. At seven, especially given who was—I mean, Isaiah Simmons was still on this board when they picked Derek Brown. Crazy to me. Yeah. Um, oh, that was—that was another uh, tweet that I wanted to share too. Do I have that in here? I think I do somewhere. I showed you guys already. I don't know, but who, who did take the Isaiah Simmons? My Cardinals baby. But the reason I didn't call it Big Derek day Brown for a reach like. is because Derek Brown, a lot of places, was projected to go top five. So just because I disagree with it and didn't think he was worth that high of a pick, I'm not going to call it a reach because people thought he was going to go that high. Does that make sense? No? doesn't make sense? <laughs> it, yeah, it does. But, no, the thing that – the thing that gives me very much a bad taste, I swear I posted this in here because I thought AJ reacted to it. Maybe I didn't. All right, so AJ can react to it live for the first time. Something that tells me that Carolina did not have the greatest idea in the world what they were doing. Carolina's GM, legitimately their GM, came out and said, I guess it wasn't their GM. This is a report. The Panthers liked Isaiah Simmons a lot at number seven. He was their best athlete oh, on I the board. Oh, I saw that. He was their best oh, yeah, athlete on the that. board. But the Panthers thought that he was a better fit for a veteran team because of his ability to play all over. So they took Derek Brown and said, so in summation, the Panthers thought Simmons was the best player available and drafted Derek Brown instead because they thought Simmons would have a bigger impact on a better team. Because apparently young teams don't need versatile stars. And I'm paraphrasing the ringer when I'm reading this right now. They literally talked themselves out of an elite athlete. Because they thought having a worse player would fit their team better. That is a red flag of all red flags. That oh. is a Bob Quinn-esque move. I, I think that's worse than Bob Quinn. In that immediate – well, so Bob Quinn does exactly that. He just doesn't say it publicly and reports don't get out there. You think that Gerard Davis was the best player of it? You, you think Bob Quinn thought Gerard Davis was the best player on the board when he drafted him? Hell no. 
We talked about this before. GMs do this. It's just absurd and terrible, and they don't keep their job for very long. So that right there throws a red flag on their entire draft. Yeah, that scares I would, me. I would That's scary. That. That's a, And Isaiah Simmons, by the way, was a defensive player. Not like he was offense. He was also a defensive player. That's bad. That is yeah. very bad. You can't do that. I would agree with that. Matt, whose draft did you love? I mean, as much as I hate to say it, you know, I think Dallas killed it. You know, I think they took the best available, and it was a great fit for them in a lot of ways, time and time again. Um, from the fact that C.D. Lamb fell to them, which was ridiculous in my mind, uh, that Trev- that uh, Trevon, D- Trevon Diggs was still available to them at 51 was insane. Uh, I think they... You know, I think they absolutely killed it, and I hate that because I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> I do not want to see them do well. Um, I think, I think Denver made some great decisions in the draft as well. Uh, they, you know, they've obviously decided on their offense going forward and took back-to-back receivers that they think can help them. And I think Jerry Judy is a phenomenal pick. Uh, we you, saw you what really he did think throughout a team college. Like Denver though, going pers- receiver, receiver with the sixth overall pick, and then early second round another receiver you really think that's denver didn't have the six overall pick no he said in the second oh no i'm sorry i'm sorry i i misspoke sorry 15th overall pick jesus christ um i was looking at jerry judy's overall ranked when i said six for what they need right now and you know they don't have you know you saw last year their offense was abysmal i mean absolutely abysmal their defense not phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely better than It'd their offense. It would help if the was. offense would stand the and field. It would, and I, I mean, well, that's I, why they got. I think they got Jerry Judy to stay on the field. Hammer, explosive Jerry Judy, I thought was the best wide receiver in the draft. It's hard to like. I, I again, I, I know I said this kind of in our prep time, but I'm not a huge fan of taking wide receivers back to back, but. I get kind of why they did it, especially if they believe in Drew Locke's ability to get the ball to those guys. Uh, it makes sense. So my one of my proudest things in life is the people around me have started to very much come around to my opinion on receivers. And some of them maybe had this opinion before. Some of them maybe have bought into it. Some of them maybe have just come aboard. I don't know. But I have harped on receiver being the least valuable position in football for like a decade. And it's very refreshing. So the, the Patriots last year. It is very refreshing <laughs> to hear that reflected by so many people that I talked to, including you guys. I didn't like Denver's draft at all. And it's not just the receivers. Um, I don't think they got a ton of value. But uh, it does, almost doesn't matter right now. Because... This year, next year, doesn't matter for Denver. They are many years down the road, I think. It's my opinion of Denver. I don't think they're close right now. So, especially in the division that they're in on top of it, I don't think it matters. We'll see how these picks pan out down the road. They're going to have three more drafts before it matters, in my opinion. Dallas, I agree with you. Dallas smoked the draft from a value perspective, and they did take a receiver mid-first round. Um... C.D. Lamb, who I think, I actually think C.D. Lamb is the best receiver in the draft, but I don't think there's a lot of difference between the top handful. And receiver is hard to project. 
I mean, look at a guy like Sammy Watkins. Uh, people thought he was the best prospect since Calvin Johnson, and he's just been an average NFL receiver at best. And then you got guys that just come out of nowhere and light the world on fire. I mean, OBJ from rookie year on was phenomenal, right? And he went like 13th overall. I don't quote me on that, but somewhere around there. Where did Michael Thomas go? Around 10th. So re- receivers are kind of hit and miss, but value. I mean, they crushed it. I think another team that I really liked uh, was the Colts. I think the Colts had a very good draft. You know, they took your guy at running back, <laughs> number thir- number 41 pick overall. They addressed some of their defense with Julian Blackman. Uh, you know, I think Michael Pittman is a good receiver and will do well with an experienced quarterback. I have a question for you about the draft. So, their first round pick they didn't have because they traded for a good defensive tackle, a starting good NFL defensive tackle. Do you count that as part of their draft? Because I kind of do. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, so you traded that pick for a player. That's that's part of your draft, right? Mm -hmm. So they got a good starting defensive tackle for, I think it was the 13th pick in the draft. Maybe it was 14. No, it was 14. No, I was somewhere on there. No, Tampa Bay was 14. Did they trade up to 14 though? Yeah, but it was with San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, I think they only traded up one spot. Yeah, so the Colts were 13. I think. I think think you're right with 13. They traded with 49ers, right? Or am I stupid? No, they did. The Colts traded with the 49ers. No, Tam- no, Tampa Bay traded. No, I thought Tampa Bay traded with the 49ers. Their pick for DeForest no, Buckner. No, never mind. Right? Yeah, yeah. I- yeah. So they no, traded right. their, the 14th overall pick. Um, so that that was their that was the first round draft pick. So you got to count him in there. Then yeah, I love Jonathan Taylor. Julian Blackman's a good pick. Jacob Eason's whatever. I mean, you're taking a shot on a quarterback. He fell all the way to the fourth. Yeah, but think about what they do with that. Yeah, they took him to sit under Phillip Rivers and possibly take over, right? And is that not a high upside pick? Like, you're hoping he's your – let me think of a fourth-round quarterback. Uh, Kirk Cousins. You're hoping he's Kirk Cousins, basically. And literally, that's what they're hoping. They they hope he can be groomed for a little bit and become Kirk Cousins. And he does have that kind of upside. I liked Eason better than I liked Jake Fromm. And a lot of people thought that they were second-round candidates. So – you get, you get a free shot, basically. It's a mid-fourth-round pick. So you're getting a free shot to maybe find a future starting quarterback. And you didn't have to give up a premium draft pick to do it. So no, they had a good draft for sure. What about you, AJ? Minnesota's draft was crazy. They had 13 picks. Um, so And I like what they did. Like, doesn't it have to be crazy if you have that many picks? It is, I, it is but like... Again, like what they did with it, right? Like Jefferson, Gladney. They took Cleveland, who we talked about in the second You're not allowed to like receivers. You said you don't like your first-round receivers, didn't you? No, that's not what I said at all. I said – Oh, no, you said you don't like back-to-back receivers. I'm sorry. It was my bad. I apologize. And especially where they took – like at 22 overall, I think that's a good place for a receiver to go. Unless, of course, it is someone like Calvin Johnson who's going to be, you know, is a top guy. Like I don't, and Jefferson's good to take him and to get him at twenty two when the Eagles should have taken him a lot earlier than that. Um, I think that's good value there. Gladney from TCU. I know Cleveland was a name that we threw around for like second, third round for the Lions. Um, Dantzler was also a guy that I kind of had like later rounds, third, fourth round for the Lions. Pegged that, and then you go even farther down, like these guys that. 
you know, we saw play a lot, right? Metellus, Willikus, um, even, and I know, it, I mean, a quarterback this late in, in Nate Stanley, he's just going to, like, a roster filler if he even makes it, but... Well, a backup. You hope that he can develop into a good backup. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and so, like, to get, like, a Josh Metellus, who I think, you know, is another depth guy, but late, like, it's just a, it's a good, like, this is the type of draft that the Lions could have had if they made trades from three. And, and they were pot- aggressive in trading. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we had not, Lions had nine picks. The Vikings ended up with 13. And there's no reason why the Lions couldn't have gotten to 13 picks if they had traded. So I, I, I kind of like what. To be fair, six of those picks were in the sixth and seventh round. I, I understand that. But, I mean, you're also talking about. Did you say six of those picks? Yes. So they just increased so their odds that they may have found a one, gem, yes. one player, Which, right? So it's, it's another spin of the lot. It's another lottery ticket. Like so, you're just right. You're, you're collecting lottery tickets, right? And, and I mean, so I I just I look at this draft and I'm like, you know, the only pick I didn't really like for them is Gladney, and it's not that bad. I just liked a couple other corners better on the board, and that's just an evaluation difference. And I'm gonna right. be honest. They watched a lot more film than I did. I promise. Right. Now the Lions, maybe not, but the Vikings definitely watched more film than I did. So I, I mean, so yeah. So Stefan Diggs they traded for a first round pick in our division, you, but you, oh, it because they're way better than us and are only getting better. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It's so stupid, right? Like, so they they replaced Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson, and that is that. That's kind of what you weren't gonna get. You had the twenty second overall pick. You weren't getting a, a receiver better than Justin Jefferson, if that's where you wanted to go. If you thought you needed another receiver, who are, at 22, who are you getting better than Justin Jefferson? You weren't. That, that worked out good. You got the corner that you wanted. Ezra Cleveland is a steal to me. I think he went a lot later than most people thought he would. There were people that had him going borderline first round, or in the first round. People had him. Some people had him in the first round. Again, a team that got value all up and down the dirt. My favorite pick for them is Kenny Willicks. Um, I think he was awesome in Michigan State. He was my favorite player at Michigan State for three years now. I mean, he he's really good. And I don't know how much of it's going to translate in the NFL. He's a little bit of a tweener. He's almost small to go inside. And you worry if he has enough bend to work on the outside. I don't care, dude. You got him for free, basically. A seventh-round pick is nothing. I thought Kenny Wilkes would go in the fourth round, honestly. he ha- He is that kind of player, I think. Willikus. <laughs> yes. Oh. I love Michigan State. Can't even name the fucking players. To be fair. Let me tell you about Kenny Wilson. To be fair, how many things do I mispronounce in general? A lot. Uh, a lot. So it's, we're going <laughs> to – we don't need to harp on names. I can't pronounce my own name half the time. Um, I was going to say, I want, I want you to name Miami's uh, 30th pick in the draft. The Auburn quarterback. Um, a cornerback. Let me scooch over to Miami real quick. Was that Edehagnable? Is that I'm going to just call him Igby. <laughs> Noah Igby. I, I, I don't know. I don't know which of those letters is silent. So, because I guarantee some of them are. And I don't know which one. Speaking of, Miami, look, you have three picks in the first 30, four in the first 40. But damn, they killed yeah. the draft so, on the first day. 
Yeah, we made their job a lot easier <laughs> because we didn't scare them. But damn, they killed the draft in the first day. They won the draft the moment they got Tua at five by not moving. Like that was it. It didn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but you know what I mean. Like you follow it up with people to protect. As long them, as you're not reaching three rounds advance for players, like once you got Tua at five without Davis. giving up premium picks, like you did awesome. Did now I hated the Austin Jackson pick. That's because y'all are haters and don't understand that this boy's gonna be a. I'm beast. not saying he's not going to be. Played last year after giving I think bone they marrow. Got him. I I I would almost guarantee they could have got him with their thirtieth pick, and I would I really think they could have got him with their second round pick. It's a value thing. Now, I and there were just better tackles on the board to me. Ezra Cleveland being one of them. But we'll see how they pan out. Austin Jackson is not... Uh, I mean, USC's offensive line has not been great, but he has not necessarily been the problem. You can't blame the entire line's problems on him. Um, again, with the cornerback from Auburn that I can't pronounce, don't like the value. Didn't like it. I didn't think that was... But this is, this is a difference in evaluations. And they got their quarterback at five, and then they went and filled out with good players what what more do you want i mean but they it would have been it would have been sad if they didn't have a good draft because they had more draft capital than anybody i mean they just had insane draft capital like cincy cincy crushed the draft but since he has a number one overall pick man so you're not gonna not crush the draft but since he really crushed the draft oh man it's great have you guys looked at since draft honestly a little bit uh, a little bit. So talk about a team that let the draft come to them. So since he had all of their own picks, one through seven, obviously the first pick in every round, and they didn't trade a single time. They made all of their own picks, one through seven. First pick of every single round in this draft is what since he picked. They didn't have any comp- compensatory picks. They didn't trade any picks. They didn't have any. They had, didn't give away any picks. They had all of their own picks. They let the draft come to them, and they absolutely killed it. So the first pick is, it doesn't matter. Everyone knew they were taking Joe Burrow. You can't mess that up. You get pick of the litter. You got first pick. T. Higgins, in a loaded receiver class, very good receiver, though. Thought to be a first-round prospect. Now, they basically gave up. You're picking first in the second round. It's it's basically a first-round pick. But you got your quarterback, and you're going to give him a really good weapon. Then, I love Logan Wilson. Now, projecting is going to be not perfect. He went to Wyoming, and Wyoming, not exactly an elite Power 5 school. So, but this kid is good, man. He has the measurables and the intangibles. His literal only, I mean, this is a linebacker that had 10 interceptions in college and returned a few of those for TDs. That is, and I know it's at Wyoming, but he looked great even when they played better schools. He's going to be a really good player. Sticking with small schools, you get Gaither from Appalachian State in the fourth round. Another versatile, elite athlete and linebacker. They just crushed on value all draft, which is what this team needs to do because we know they were picking number one for a reason. They were devoid of talent. But they also didn't have a quarterback last year. Andy Dalton didn't play. That helps. They, they might have a little bit more talent than people realize. My favorite draft, 
and it's my team, so I'm a little bit biased. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's your team. It's been your team for all the about Tampa a month. Bay Buccaneers. Three weeks, two weeks. Absolutely smashed this draft, and it is not often that you can make a case that a draft vaults a team into contention. Because how many players come in as rookies ready to set the world on fire, especially at positions in need for teams? And yet, I look at this draft, and I'm like, this is stupid. And you guys remember how excited I was when they traded up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs, the thing I was screaming for them to do. Because you can't have a better... A ton of people thought this was the best offensive tackle in the draft. I thought he was the second best. His athleticism for an offensive tackle is otherworldly. It is stupid. And they got him in the middle of the first round. In the second round, how many of you thought Antoine Winfield was a first-round prospect? I did. I mean, there were a lot of people that mocked him to Minnesota, where he's from. They get him midway through the second round. Immediately can come in and be at least in a nickel package, but a good chance to actually start. He'll be a great special teamer, and he might be able to start on that defense. They might have got two starters on a Super Bowl contending team in the first two rounds. Like, good starters. Now, we don't know, but there's not many teams that can say that. And then they just continued to get value in positions of need. They get their running back in the third round. They didn't have a running back. They got him. No big deal. Take care of it. Tyler Johnson, so they didn't have a fourth-round pick. Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. Minnesota had a shock year this year. And they were represented well in the draft, in large part because of that. They surprised a lot of teams. They had a really good year for college, for Minnesota. They had a good good year this season. They upset Penn State. Tyler Johnson catches everything. But he's not a Quintez Cephas or whatever the hell his name is. He can actually run routes. He can actually get open. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a technician, and he is a really, really good fifth round, man. I mean, that's the kind of value these teams are getting. And I'm looking at the Lions, and I just want to cry. What are we doing? (laughs) The Saints only had four picks. They had a really good draft. So I didn't love the Ruiz pick. I didn't love the Ruiz pick on fit for just it wasn't it wasn't they did don't you say they didn't they did you shut your mouth no they didn't did they take queen they did no they didn't but they took what they thought was the best player on the board i didn't love it i would have liked them more but they're gonna play him this year and they're either they might make a trade they might just have an elite six-man offensive line this year they didn't need a lineman but they determined he was the best, and they took him, and that's fine. And you guys know we talked a lot about Ruiz. He does have some knocks, but he is the best athlete interior position, and he is brilliant between the ears. So in, in the perfect fit, other than the fact that they didn't really need another interior lineman. But they followed up. They don't have a second-round pick. They get Zach Bond in the third. And Ryan hates him for no reason at all. I think Zach Well, because it's garbage. I think Zach Bond was worthy of a borderline first-round pick. He is super good. He is a linebacker from Wisconsin, but he is not a traditional linebacker from Wisconsin. 
He is a monster. And he can cover the pass. And he can blitz. And he can stuff the run gaps. He can he can hit all the... He, he's awesome. I mean, literally, he can come off the edge and get a sack. He fits in well with run fits. Like, what doesn't he do that you don't like? Other than he played for Wisconsin. Anybody's draft you guys hated besides the Lions? Yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> I didn't like the Packers or the what the Eagles did. Well, I liked some of what the Eagles did. I thought the Packers were just stupid, but I loved it. So, quick question. We were, if I recall correctly, we were all on board with the Jordan Love pick, right? Not me. Yeah. I, I gave you my Not me. Opinion. Oh, you guys, neither of you were. I mean, I understand, me I understand why they did it, and I understand there's a lot of hype surrounding Jordan Love, but I just... I always I always get hesitant with these guys that like you don't hear about necessarily until draft time and you don't really know what's going on with them. Um, that's just my opinion. To be fair, he played at Utah State. Precisely my point. Kind of a lot of those. Kind of a lot of how those guys go. Um, so obviously, an hour and a half, two hours before he was actually taken by the Packers, we had talked about Jordan Love a bit and. I had mentioned Jordan Love to the Packers, how much I would love to see something like that. And then Ryan chimed in. He said, yeah, man, that's like right there. That's the team I was thinking. Like, it'd be great. And then they did it. And it was really cool. The rest of the Packers draft was so nonsensical and terrible. It makes me now question the Jordan Love pick that I originally <laughs> loved. That's how bad it was. I, I don't. Their entire it's so draft was stupid. Bad. They didn't. They didn't help. Their freaking all-pro quarterback in any way, shape, or, or form, or their future quarterback. You have you have literally no need at running back. You have a good running back room. You have an elite running back and a good backup with lots of experience. You have zero need for running back, so you reach on a running back in the second round, and it's a reach. AJ Dillon had no business going in the second round. Not that he's not a good player. I like him a lot, but he's not a second-round back, and you had no need for him on top of it. That's a million times worse than us taking DeAndre Swift. I'll not complain about DeAndre Swift if that's my alternative. Like, that is absurd. Then you take a tight end that legitimately, I shit you not, I would not have been surprised if he went undrafted. And you take this tight end for your quarterback that never throws to the tight end even when he has good tight ends. I don't know, man. It's it's not good. Nothing they did is good. This is dumb. I honestly, I hope the Jordan Love pick doesn't pan out and Aaron Rodgers is done in two years, because then Green Bay's done. Because this draft did not help them. <laughs> you, you just hope you just hope he's done I in two think years he's anyway. Trash can as a human and a player. I don't remember what else the Bears did, but I know with their first pick they took a tight end. Yeah, and they already have like eight on their roster. The Bears literally have ten tight ends on their roster. That's, That's insane. I mean. Eight of them are going to get cut. Seven of them are going to get cut. When your roster has 90 players on it right now, it doesn't really matter. They didn't – everyone is knocking them because of that, but Cole is not a reach. Like, that's right around where you thought he was going to go. He's solid. They have a needed tight end. Uh, the contract that they gave to um, – Burton? No. What is wrong with me? Um – Washed up tight ends played for the Saints, the Packers, everywhere. Jimmy Graham. Graham. Yeah, Jimmy Graham. They gave him like eight million a year for like two years. It's stupid. It's a wild contract. The contract's terrible, but at least they drafted what hopefully will be his replacement. Um, Jalen Johnson wasn't a bad pick, I didn't think, in the second round. I thought that was a good pick actually. 
I don't think either. So they didn't have – so the problem with the Bears is they didn't have draft capital. They made the stupid Khalil Mack trade that set them back bigly, and they had two second-round picks and then nothing till the fifth round. So what were they going to do? I mean, they just didn't have a lot of options. They still don't have a quarterback. I mean, I guess Nick Foles, I guess. Oh, actually, never mind. They drafted somebody in round seven with the name Lechavius. So. A quarterback? I flipped my position. No. Oh. But his name's Lechavius, so. I thought you were saying they drafted a quarterback. Lechavius. That's all. Lechavius Simmons. I don't know who that is. I've never heard of that man. Tennessee State. Paul, what'd you think of your former team's the draft? Oh, the, the Seahawks. Seahawks. Oh, I still love the Seahawks. <laughs> um, let me peep it real quick because I don't want to speak out of. Uh... You got Texas. Tech oh yeah, I did not. Brooks, I did not love Tennessee this Tennessee defensive end. Darryl I didn't Taylor, love it. So. Damian Lewis out of LSU. So Jordan Brooks, I. Kobe Parkinson out of Stanford. I super did not like the Jordan Brooks pick. Just a huge reach to me. Massive reach. Now, I could be wrong about this, but. Even if he pans out, this is a pick they could have gotten at least an entire round later, if not two rounds later. I honestly like this. Not not two rounds. That's absurd to say. If an NFL team is taking a guy in the first round, he's not going to be there in the third. I don't think. But this is just an absurd reach to me. Like I, and that's your first round pick. That's the one. This is the most important. And I think you completely blew it. I was not a big fan of Darrell Taylor. I, I did not. I just didn't like this draft. Damian Lewis was a good pick, and they do need line help. Um, he could be, he reminds me a lot of Larry Warford actually. Um, and if he could develop like him, a Larry Warford, I believe also went in the third round. That's my comp for him. But I haven't liked the last three to four Seahawks drafts, to be honest. I just, I don't think they have gotten great value. What about your other team? The 49ers. I, I loved what the Niners did. I really did. You know, the, I would have liked to Justin have seen Jefferson? a different wide receiver than Justin an Arizona Jefferson? State wide receiver. <laughs> no, Jefferson I wanted on the Eagles. I thought that was a perfect spot for him, and I don't know Someone how Someone please happen. rationalize me. Damn mind. The Eagles taking a quarterback in the second round. I mean, they need someone behind Wentz in case Wentz gets hurt again. And I don't know who they have. They, they have the Nick Foles lookalike, uh, Nate... Uh, uh, it's not Sudfield, is it? No. There is, is a Nate Sudfield. Is he a quarterback? I think so. He is. I don't know if that's him. He went to Indiana, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, no, that's not who looked. Uh, yeah, he kind of looks like Nick Foles. Maybe that's him. Um, but no, <laughs> I mean, they definitely, they definitely needed, they definitely needed another quarterback in case Wentz went down. But they needed people for Wentz to get the damn you, ball you to, right. and that was proven all year. So, you know, I get that part of it. It's the fact that you pass up on a damn good wide receiver for an unknown wide receiver who could be damn good. We just don't know who the hell he is. Sounds like he came out of Game of Thrones with that name. Yeah, because Jalen Ragon, something Rager. like that. Yeah, Jalen Rager. He's, he was really Rager. good at TCU, but that, again, a reach. Like, I, especially in this receiver draft, like, not, oh, I don't the, like it. The Niners got Trent Williams, too. He's I forgot fast. about that. Oh, yeah, the Niners killed it. I mean, yeah, I, look, I don't want to see them with Brandon Ayuk. I don't want him to succeed. The damn bastard went to Arizona State. But taking Kinlaw with the first pick and, you know, getting that trade out of it as well to get some more pieces because they didn't have many at all going into this draft uh, and making that deal to bring in Trent Williams, uh, you know, which I can, again, I include as part of the draft day situation. 
So I think the Niners, you know, for a team that was, you know, a good quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl last year, uh, <laughs> making good quarterback decisions away from winning the Super Bowl last year, I think they killed it. Cardinals had a really good draft, too. Well, Cardinals lucked into having a good <laughs> with draft. With Isaiah to start. Simmons falling to eighth for no yes. reason at all. With Isaiah There's Simmons no reason falling to in eighth. the entire universe that the Panthers should not have taken him the pick before. Stupid. What are you doing? And then you get Josh Jones in the third round. Like what? Like you just you need you need O line really bad and then a borderline day one pick falls to the third round. A tackle. Like what is this? The Lions don't get that ever. Like not only do we shoot ourselves in the foot, but we don't have that kind of luck. So what did you guys think? So I I am impressed. Not that I impresses I don't want to be lackadaisical about what they accomplished, but I expected it despite all of the angst leading up to it. But it is impressive in a way that the NFL, regardless of resources, was able to put this on. The NFL, ESPN, the NFL Network, they put on, in very short time frame, an entire remote draft with a bunch of old people that have no idea. They Most of them couldn't tell you the difference between a Mac and a PC. And they, this thing went off pretty flawlessly. What happened? Nothing bad happened the entire draft. No, but none of the trades happened like everyone thought in the That's first the round, especially. Fault. And I'm not even joking when I say that. I'm not even a tiny bit joking when I say that. You think if the Lions kicked it off and did the right thing, there would have been more people panicking well, throughout panicking, making trades? Well, not panicking, but it would have changed the entire scope of the draft, the way everything went. And with the Lions panicking and staying put... Other teams, everything just kind of fell into place. It's such a just terrible anti-endorsement of what we are that you're so predictable. How was Bob Quinn not buzzing up Tua every single day? Whatever they're allowed for contact, whatever they're allowed to do, interviews, tape, putting out in the media, leaking, we should have been hearing a new story every day about the Lions doing their due diligence on Tua. About the Lions wanting to draft Tua. I heard none of that for six months. Why? Look, I, I don't know if it's, you know, because he didn't want to piss off his, you know, oh, star quarterback. Don't even but I definitely would have had a conversation with Stafford beforehand and said, look, this is what we're going to do. We are going to make it look like we are drafting Tua as our quarterback of the future. And he might very well be in the long run. He is not taking your job right now. But the idea is to add extra pieces to help you win right now. So just so you know, we're about to be all over the airways talking about Tua, but I need you to know the plan right now. Yeah, I agree with that position completely. Like, 100% I agree with that position. I mean, you can't be a complete open book. And I know leading up to the draft, I said everything is smoke and it's all BS. And it is. It really is. I mean, how much How much leading up to the draft you heard? But there wasn't any. No, not with the Lions. I don't mean with the Lions. I mean other teams. People were saying that Miami was going to trade up to three to get a tackle. And that was complete nonsense. Like, there was no, no chance in the universe that that was happening. But everyone in the world knew Miami and Chargers dating quarterback. And everyone in the world knew that there was no chance the Lions were going to. And that's sad to me. It is sad when the entire universe has you pegged and another GM can just sit there and say, I'm not going to trade you because you won't do it. 
Well, they did put out what the the one leak like a long time ago, whereas they were in trade talks for Stafford, and then Kelly went out on Instagram like the very next day. That's and that's another that is funny because when Matt was talking about talking to Matt about it, which I honestly wouldn't have unless he asked because I'm not if if I have to worry about my third year old, I don't know eight year NFL starter crying about us drafting a quarterback in the first round we got bigger problems like i'm not that's the last thing i'm concerned about no no you take but care of your stars if you in do every want league. to have a little discussion with him it's got to be on the super dl like hey don't talk to your wife don't talk to anybody like well i mean it's as simple as matt said you call out. him into your office and you're like hey right it's a matter we're, of- we're about to do a whole bunch of two a hype yeah. And we're not taking him. Yeah, it's a matter of respect. But just so you know. Or we are taking him in yeah. order to trade him for it, those picks because they don't believe we are going to take him. Like, if you get asked about it, say you're not part of the process. <laughs> how, how does this not happen? Because the Lions are idiots from ownership down to the field. But how is this? I, I can't reconcile this. Like, I can't reconcile reality. Of course you can't. You're idea. not an idiot. Like, it hurts me, <laughs> my brain. Like it, it just makes me go numb. With if you can reconcile it, then I question your intelligence. You can't reconcile it because you're not an idiot. I look at what the Packers did in the draft. I look at what the Lions did in the draft. I look at the comments coming out of the Panthers organization, and you look at the fact that how many 15, 20 year GMs are in the NFL right now? Is it zero? <laughs> like Belichick? They, like, don't exist. Do you know why? Because they all suck. And after three years or four years, they lose their job. And some of them get recycled. Some of them go back to being a scout. And some of them get out of the game entirely. And so when we do this and I sit here and I say I could do a better job than this GM, I mean it. And most people would laugh and scoff. And be like, it's ridiculous. You think you could run an NFL team? Who couldn't do a better job than Bob Quinn? Why Why at because 25 years old do I have to be this jaded about a sports team? That is purely for because entertainment. You invest because too you were much born in Detroit. That is purely for entertainment. You invest too much emotion into it. That's why. How does understanding what's going on and seeing what happens, how can that not make you angry? You realize that sports are meant as like the opium of the masses and you don't invest too much emotional you know i need some better opium i need a new supplier well you have yeah. it they're That's called the true. Buccaneers. that is true i'm I, i'm dead ass ordering that buck that bucks jersey pewter gronk they're pretty i hope you do that and then he actually doesn't play <laughs> he it's changes fine. his mind he's like you know what <laughs> you know i'm not I'm like being retired retirement. and starring in barstool sports videos so i didn't i didn't think there was actually going to be a season so that's one of my signing bonus. I was just, I was just hoping to collect the paycheck for chilling. Now nah, he's bored out of his mind. He, he wants. He to is bored out of his mind. He legitimately. He's, he's, bored a, out of he's his a WWE mind. champion. He can just do that. Twenty four seven, baby. Oh my gosh! Really All right, I think, I think we have fulfilled this bitch fest. <laughs> Pretty sure that we, yeah, have, we're, we're we done. have thrown Bob Quinn under the bus. That ran was not over the a few intent. times. Grabbed a steamroller while we were at it. What? What? It was not the intent. What?
Yeah, right. Uh, that was the sure. intent from the get-go. <laughs> and I I told you, did I not tell you this is exactly what was going to happen tonight? We've talked for two hours about one subject. Well, I mean, it was a lot of subjects inside of one yeah, subject. Yeah, take that. It was one But with subject. that, Ryan, do the thing. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on... Uh... You really find us anywhere you want on social media. Facebook is Sports Carnage Podcast. Twitter is just Sports Carnage. We're on YouTube as well. So if you wanted to hear, uh, for example, on on the NFL Draft Day, we did a, a four-hour YouTube special video. It was on Facebook Live, and they got transferred over to YouTube. Well, you can find that. You can find um, our other content and just everywhere we're posting. Podbean and uh, Apple Podcast for the podcast that you're able to download, put in your uh, put in your little browser, and spend some of your quarantine time listening to us. For Ryan Griffin, AJ Riley, Paul Roshan, I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thanks for spending a couple hours with us as we bitched about our Lions again. <laughs> this time, draft-related, we'll have more stuff, obviously, for you when the Lions season starts, as we love bitching about this team because they can do no right in our eyes. Thank you guys for spending time with us, and we'll be with you all next week.